This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 5.08. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Lynn and Sherrod. First up today, the question of athletes and mental health after Lee Zijia's recent video. So let me just tell you a little bit about the video. Um, earlier this week, Zijia uploaded a video of him kind of rapping um, on video platform Daoyin. This is coming after he suffered a first round exit at the Asia Championships in Dubai last week. And in the song, he sort of highlighted his journey as a national badminton player, um, especially after the heavy criticisms that he's faced in recent months following a spate of poor performances. I mean, the, the lyrics are quite poetic, especially once translated, but they all kind of boil down to this question of criticism um, and also the media for the headlines that have been run about him and whether everything is used as content for views. So is this typical, though, of him or even uh, athletes in Malaysia to express themselves artistically when dealing with um, a reversal of fortune at a sporting event? I don't think so. I mean, I I, I don't think it's it's unusual, especially in recent years, to have athletes express themselves in in whatever form um, on social media um, to say things were tough or just to post a photo or an emoji or a... And it's both... I I think the culture of it is kind of both pre and post game or match or race or whatever it may be, right? So before the event, there's a let's go. And then after that, there's a, well, depending on how things went, a triumphant picture or post or, you know, something a little bit sadder. I think that the artistic expression of it through song is unusual. And and so peculiar to him. But I guess that, you know, today athletes are like, you know, especially they achieve some sort of fame, are are celebrities. And there must be a tremendous amount of pressure for them to constantly perform for their fans, uh, you know, to kind of communicate whether their feelings or their strategies or, you know, their comments on others in in the sporting industry that they are in. So... Yeah, must be uh, extraordinarily difficult to just sort of be silent as maybe a, uh, an athlete would have been a generation or two ago. Well, I, I would counter that and say that it may not always, it, it may not just be about the need to stay connected or the need to communicate. Uh, it may be, if you kind of reverse the positions a little bit, the feeling that one is beholden to fans or that one is beholden to the people who kind of follow you. And, and that may also be what prompts these sorts of expressions. But I mean, we're not here necessarily to speculate about why he, he did it, but to talk, I guess, about the conversation that's resulted from it. Um, because his fans have asked the media to give him space. Uh, people are, you know, kind of expressing concern over his mental health. And the youth and sports minister, Hannah Yo has also said that she believes the media should protect Zijia rather than bashing him all the time, which I think opens up interesting questions about how we speak to and about our athletes, especially when they're not performing that well. Uh, let us know. Uh, it's a tricky one. What 
What treatment or considerations uh, do you think we owe athletes who are in the public eye? Uh, if you'd like to weigh in, that number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. After this, we'll be joined by Fabian Mark Peters, who is a sports journalist from the New Straits Times. Keep it here on the Evening Edition, BFM eighty nine point nine. Backing female ministers, BFM. 89.9, The Business Station. It is 5.12 and you're listening to the Evening Edition with Lynn and Sherrod. We're talking today about athletes and mental health, uh, especially following Lizzie Jia posting a uh, rap song, kind of talking about his feelings and, and his hurt feelings, really, about the criticisms that he's faced um, after a recent run of poor performances. And that has us asking, I guess, um, when it comes to athletes who are in many ways, like you were pointing out earlier, Sharad, modern day celebrities in their own right. Um, what treatment or consideration do we owe athletes who are in the public eye? That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Speaking with us now about this uh, is Fabian Mark-Peter, sports journalist from uh, the New Straits Times. Fabian, thanks so much for speaking with us. Hey, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on the show. So, um, to start off, in the Asia Championships last week, ZJ did suffer a first-round exit and then criticisms against him, which haven't exactly been silent anyway, have, have mounted, have continued. Um, can you talk to us about the responses that this performance garnered from the media in particular? Uh, I think, uh, Lynn, as you so rightfully mentioned earlier, now this is a very, very tricky um, situation we we cannot just um, speak about his performance at the Asian Championships. We must understand that Zijia has come under heavy criticism since leaving the national team last year, right? Um, so, and, you know, along the way, he has got controversy. You know, he um, he snubbed the, the, the Birmingham Commonwealth Games and then sometime late last year, he dropped his coach and then he goes on to suffer like six early exits um, and you know, before sort of, sort of making up a little bit when he reached the semifinals of the All England and then Swiss Open, but then to lose in the first round of the Asian Championships, he was defending champion, by the way. So, you know, it's it's very difficult because how do you expect the media uh, to react to this? Like, you know, are we supposed to sugarcoat um, him losing in the first round? Mm. You know. So I well, guess, yeah. So Fabian, this is quite interesting because you you know it actually in some ways preempts some uh, questions we want to ask about precisely yes. what the role of the media and if the media has been made a bad boy in this uh, story. But mm. Jia himself, I know, posted about the way the media has portrayed him, and and he's accused the media of doing it just for clicks. I mean, is he sort of um, uh, sort of got the wrong target in his crosshairs? See, that's the thing. It's, 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 uh, I, I, you know, just earlier, I mean, I, I, I was working today, right? And I managed to speak with the um, high performance director of the Badminton Association of Malaysia, uh, Dr. Tim Jones. And, you know, I, I, I kind of just got into this topic with him because I told him, you know, I'm going to be on air later and I'm going to be talking about this. And he said something very interesting. Like, he has got no issues with um, the mainstream media. Uh, reporting. I mean, of course, we have to toe the line. It's very um, dangerous for us to simply come up with a random headline, for example. We can't just uh, defame somebody or, or you know, slander somebody. 
um, see now reporters, right? I would say that I'm not I'm not trying to defend my colleagues or anything, but you see, we don't just write anything. You know, we we've got to do our research. Um, our reports are based on facts. So when we come up with a report like this, we're just reporting it as it is. Now Zija did post the video online. Uh, it's it's for the whole world to see, right? Now the report came out as it is, but he has got fans, and over the years we've seen this. Like like you guys just mentioned this as well. Uh, athletes are now seen as celebrities, but now does that give them the excuse to do anything they want, or you know, to just perform as they wish? Because being a celebrity also means that you're in the eye of the public. You're a public figure. So I, I, I see where the fans are coming from. They are concerned. They are wondering why we're writing about Zija all the time. But now I would also ask this question back. I mean, Sharad, you were also in the news uh, industry. Um, take I still Anwar am, Ibrahim, actually. Example. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Okay? Yeah. So just take Anwar Ibrahim, for example. Why do we report or write? or, you know, the news every day is about Anwar Ibrahim because he's the prime minister and everything he says or does, you know, is going to make national news. In the same way, Zijia is our national number one men's singles athlete. Anything he says or does is going to make national news. Yeah, exactly. But I want to ask you this. Who owns Zijia's uh, career? He's made choices based on what's best for him. Is is that perfectly acceptable? Or do we own him? As a country, do we own him? Does the government own him? Do the fans own him? No, I personally, I don't think anyone owns him. But then I think when you make decisions like that, it comes with repercussions, right? Um, so if he's going to lose and he's saying, you know, this is my decision to leave the national team, so this is something I have to face, okay, for me, go ahead. I mean, you have to face it. But how do you then stop the media from reporting it? So with that, in so I guess I'm curious about how you've talked about it a little bit, um, how you think about it. Yeah. And I, okay, so I like sports. Um, and I think that when I read reports about, um, about wins and losses, so there is a line, isn't, isn't there, between sort of just saying what happened um, and then also passing some commentary on, say, the conduct of the player or the conduct of the people on the team. How do you think about those things? Um, yeah, I guess, of course, there will be some personal commentary as well, but um, I won't say like those commentaries are baseless um, altogether. Uh, I think those commentaries are also made based on like um, track record, facts, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's really very, very tricky these days. Uh, you see, I started covering badminton sometime in 2011. I remember the days having to go to the national training center to try and get an interview with Dato Lee Chongwei, you know, and it wasn't easy at times when he didn't want to be interviewed, he would just look at you and say, uh, not today, sorry, I don't want to be interviewed. But today with social media and, and, and you see these players interacting with their fans in real time, you know, sometimes we reporters don't get the news, but the fans get them first. Um, and let's take Zija again, for example. Um, at the Malaysia Open last year, uh, when he lost in the early round, um, I remember us asking him, like, you know, do you think this is because uh, you don't have a coach or, you know, what's really going on? You seem to be, you know, struggling with your performances and stuff. And he says, I mean, he, he obviously he said it in Malay, but, you know, he said, you know, so when you say things like that, 
Now, those are going to be picked up and, you know, it's going to make headlines. And then how do you react to it? Who's going to be fought? Yeah, so we've had the sports and youth minister, uh, Hannah Yeo, jump in in this uh, as well. And she says she's called on the media to protect Zichia. And I'm wondering if she's put the she herself has put the blame on the wrong stakeholders. Uh, <laughs> I mean, really, you know, shouldn't sports organizations teach athletes to be more resilient in the age of social media and constant scrutiny? Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I think they should. And... Um, um, looking at it here in Malaysia, I think they're slowly beginning to to to, to work on it. Um, but I really don't know. I mean, how soon are we going to have athletes who are really well educated? Because you see, before coming on this show, so um, I had to do my research. You see, that's what we do. That's what journalists do. We don't simply write stuff. We don't simply say stuff. We we do our research. And you know, I was just reading up on how some of the international athletes have been dealing with criticism. Um, in a 2019 interview, John Stones, uh, Manchester City's defender, uh, came out to say that there's always going to be good press, there's always going to be negative press, but it does not affect him, you see? Um, so it's how you deal with it. And when I had my conversation with Dr. Tim Jones earlier, um, if I could suggest something, I would tell this, I mean, it's so difficult though to suggest this kind of things, but I would suggest athletes to like, Go on a detox. I mean, if you can't manage uh, reading comments on social media and stuff, just go on a detox. Unless you're strong enough to just look at these comments and say, hey, this is not going to affect me. Because at the end of the day, we're not the ones playing the sport. We are not the ones on court. It's still going to be the athlete who's there playing it. So it's how they manage these comments and, and, and to keep their mental health in check. It's, it's really difficult there. So I think you raise a good point because I want to talk a bit about the public because it really isn't just the media, right? Um, yeah. In this day and age, truly anybody can have an opinion on how you did and then, you know, the next second later, it's, it's gone out into the world. So um, yeah. it's it's a no-brainer really that the media and the public should care about the mental well-being of athletes just on a human mm-hmm. level, but it also directly impacts their performance. Um, yeah. Considering our conversation then, how do we calibrate our response between, and I'm quoting, you know, kind of everything's in air quotes, uncritical cheerleaders or destructive haters? Where do we land? Yeah, you see, uh, and this brings me back, you know, I think not too long ago, you guys spoke about it on the evening edition as well. Um, You know, I think at the moment, we still do not have laws preventing people from saying what they want to say online, right? On on, on social spaces. Um, So it's really difficult. Uh, I've been, you know, every time when I write a report, when my report comes out, I would go onto like Facebook and on Twitter and to see how they're performing. And you notice there's like two very different demographics. On Facebook, you just have people bashing and bashing, regardless of what the report is. Some some of them don't even click on the report to read it, you know. They just read the headline and then they just start bashing the athlete. Um, but most of Zijia's fan base are on Twitter. And then you see his support coming from Twitter. So again, uh who are the real gatekeepers here? How do we stop people from saying whatever they want to say? And um, in my conversation with Tim Jones again earlier, he said he's not really concerned about what the mainstream media, right? As long as we told the line and we're not defaming anybody, but he's more concerned with those haters online, you know, um, armchair critics, keyboard warriors, whatever you want to call them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, how do we deal with this? 
Yeah, you know, I want to ask about the other stakeholder that's kind of the elephant in the room, which is the sponsors, the companies that, uh, you know, set up these events and have these grueling uh, events scheduled uh, for these professional athletes around the world. Are they to blame as well for the kinds of pressures that sports men and women are under today? Yeah, oh, this is a tough one, Nashar. I mean, uh, I wouldn't really know how to answer this. I mean, uh, just say yes. Uh, <laughs> but 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 let's okay. Just going on this topic. Um, now Zidia has his main sponsor, Victor. Um, throughout this period, since he's left the national team, Victor has been very supportive. In fact, um, you see them sometimes trolling some of the media headlines and saying that, you know, no matter what happens to Zija or how his form is, we will continue to stand by him. But that's just Victor and Zija. We don't really know about how the other sponsors are working behind the scenes. So... I guess to close off, right, the, the point about mental health and athletes uh, has really come to the fore in recent years. Elite sports people are speaking more openly about it. I think uh, the, the example that comes to mind most prominently for me is Naomi Osaka. Uh, do you know of real life examples of athletes in Malaysia who have had their careers uh, derailed or, you know, just faced really immense challenges because of mental health issues? Um, I don't really know anyone personally who has um, quit the sport, per se, but um definitely affected by it yes um you know at the tokyo olympics i still remember pandalila getting a lot of the stick uh, just because she failed to win a medal um but again it goes back to the question um are the associations doing enough um you know in terms of educating these athletes um because if you look at our young athletes, he says all of them are on social media. Um, so it still boils down to education. Uh, and well, it's this is a tricky one. But yeah. Fabian, thank you so much for speaking with us today. No problem. Thank you, guys. That was Fabian Mark-Peter, sports journalist from the New Straits Times, talking to us about uh, athletes and mental health, particularly in light of the recent conversation that's bubbled up around Lizzie Jia um, and his response to uh, the criticisms of his recent performance. So we've been asking you, uh, you know, based on all this, what treatment or consideration do we owe athletes in the public eye? Because fans, um, even the ministers telling people, hey, you know, maybe you need to back off a bit. That number to call, double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Uh, we have a lot of messages. Uh, I'm going to start off with, let's see, this from Dennis who says... Uh, everyone, regardless of celebrity or not, in my opinion, playing at a pro level like Lizzie Jia should learn to manage pressure along with fame. It has nothing to do if the media should or should not do, um, you know, the, if the minister can quote-unquote, control the local media, are we expecting the international media or fans to also be silenced? What's important is his own self-confidence. Uh, better off spending effort in that space than, say, bashing everything or everyone that's not in his favour. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, again, I think so there's something to be investigated in terms of the way uh, sportsmen and women are developed in any country, Malaysia included, and whether these are considerations that are part of the way they think about it. You know, they're so performance-orientated that, in fact, even your best 
sort of as it were, the person in your corner is going to be pushing for you to succeed because, you know, it's, well, sports is about competition and winning for a lot of people is everything. So how much will do you sacrifice of the mental health of that individual, you know, um, in order to, uh, you know, to, to get that performance, to get that win? Uh, just to clarify a small thing, I, I don't think that the minister was necessarily telling the media to be silenced or attempting to control them necessarily. It was just a sort of, hey, maybe we can lay off. But I think that in and of itself does kind of raise the questions that we've been trying to talk around, right, with this question of, well, OK, is it down to the media then? Uh, you know, are we blaming the media entirely? Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, I, I, mean, I just think about uh, ministers is that sports is a national obsession. And mm. we, we treat sports people not as individuals who have their own private professional goals. We treat them as a national asset. It's about national pride as well. And that's why I think government comes in so much with the investments, but also with these attempts to control situations, you know, and and that's the curious thing about sports. Uh, Carl says, I believe all celebrity sports people have these pressures. We can't shut everyone up. This is part of being an athlete. I guess if you want to be great, you need to overcome it like Lindan Nadal Tiger. And I think that, you know, the, the ease with which we pull out these names um, is interesting as well because everybody has had these slumps. Uh, each of these athletes that, uh, Carl, you're talking about have, you know, kind of to put it simply, choked before. They have overcome it, though. So maybe that's just what we're seeing right now as well. Anyways, um, keep those thoughts coming. We're talking today about Lizzy Jia. Uh, what treatment or consideration do we owe athletes in the public eye is the question. Um, that number to call, double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp, 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Baba from Malacca. BFM 89.9. The Business Station. It is 5.38 and you're listening to the Evening Edition with Lynn and Sherrod. We started off our show today with actually a conversation we've had before. Um, the question of, or not the question, really it's about athletes and mental health, uh, particularly because recently Lizzie Jia, after uh, a run of poor performances, released a video in which he rapped or, or sang about his struggles um, in response to criticisms that he had faced. People then came out to say, hey, the media should really be held more responsible. Everybody needs to be more careful about how we speak about athletes. And so that's what we're asking you today. What kind of treatment or consideration do we all collectively owe athletes in the public eye? Um, you can weigh in by calling double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet Tweet us at BFM Radio. Uh, let's start things off with a voice note that we've received. This is Vicky. Uh, I think for CGR, it's not, it's the stars, whether it's sports or singers or whatnot. Uh, it's best that the managers man, uh, or PR people manage the media because somebody may be very good in something, but that doesn't mean they'd be good at talking uh, well. So, which caused all this uh, uh, backlash and all that. And also the other thing is, uh, nowadays, I mean overseas, sports people, they actually also have uh, a psychologists to help them also. Does CGR have one? 
Vicky, thanks so much for that. Um, I, I think a few interesting thoughts there. Firstly, the the emphasis on the importance of having mental health support. Most elite athletes do um, have somebody on staff to help them for exactly these reasons. I don't know the specifics of, um, of Zijia, but generally elite athletes do have them. I think the question of whether or not athletes should just not kind of speak about their work or not manage that stuff on their own is an interesting one. I think some people like it though. Yeah, and I, you know, I think that the, there might be a kind of commercial dimension to this because w- once you enter into the realm of uh, celebrity, uh, uh, you know, of celebrities and celebrity culture and you have sponsors, mm. then there's a, there's a premium on how you present yourself to the world. Uh, and there are people for whom this is dollars and cents. So they want to you to present your, yourself to the world in particular ways. And they're, they're depending on it because you need a fan base. I mean, the only reason they hang advertising on athletes is because athletes are a kind of walking billboard for these companies, right? So, and for excellence, yeah, specifically. Yeah, I mean, but the excellence argument you can you can frame in terms of other kind of, uh, you know, discourses, right? But this is about a, a purely bottom line perspective. And I think athletes are caught up in that, unfortunately, or fortunately, because it's put a lot of money into sports and maybe it's driven performances. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think Vicky's right about asking you whether he's got help. But I would have thought the coach, you know, the traditional coach would have been there as as both somebody who's looking at the sports dimension of the person and their, and their performance, but it's also looking at the human dimension of that. Surely they care about the person under their care uh, and their mental health and their moods and should be part of that. So we've had a number of remarks, um, you know, aside from Vicky, who have been a a bit more critical, a bit more, uh, well, you know, you just need to grow a thicker skin, essentially. But Anon says, I'm not a national athlete by any stretch of the imagination, but I did recently race in Thailand with the Malaysian flag proudly displayed on my chest as an athlete. um, Although a lot don't consider racers as athletes, we always want to do our best and make our country proud. The amount of pressure we have, it's hard to understand. We train for months and sacrifice time and money just to get one chance to prove ourselves. Sometimes things just don't work out in our favour. I was almost knocked out in my first battle due to an issue with the car and I felt horrible when I was making my way back to the pits, knowing it was a close battle, not knowing if I won. I just hope everyone will be less critical of our athletes unless they were close enough to understand all the emotion and everything happening in the background. I think you can appreciate the effort that goes into any kind of work that's done and you can still be critical. And I think when, you know, Fabian reminded us that, you know, the best journalists do their homework, but they're also looking at the athlete as somebody who's strategic and they can comment on the strategies adopted, whether in training or in terms of their choice to stay with the national team or go professional. I agree with all of that. I would also just say that I think maybe one element that we haven't spoken about enough is that many people rise to prominence in the case of sports when they're young. So when they're very young, in fact, because um, you have to at a grassroots level, been picked up at a young age, trained from a young age, you start entering into the tournaments at, again, depending on what sport you're in, you know, like, 10, 11, 12. And and so I think that maybe that is a dimension to the conversation that needs to be considered. Um, I'm not saying that somebody who is like, who has been an athlete for 20 years and is now like 
38 or something needs the same kinds of protections. But it's worth considering that many people rise to prominence or begin to rise to prominence as athletes when they're very young. Yeah, that that's absolutely right. I mean, I, that's something I didn't think about until you just mentioned it, right? The 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 way in which sports now pushes people at a very young age to perform. I was thinking about they that. They might be immature, emotionally immature, mm. while physically they're, they're prime, they might not actually be there. And therefore they need that much more mentoring or that much more um, consideration in terms of their mental health. Yes, that's what I was thinking in relation to your providing critique is fair game, which I agree with. But I think, you know, the, the youth element is something to think about. Um, speaking of, MZ says, everyone fails at some point in life. You and me are no different, just in different circumstances. Yes, he's a public figure, but many public figures suck it up and work hard. It boils down to the generation he comes from, the easily offended one. It reflects the mentality of his generation. Oh, well, so the, uh, as a boomer, can I just say... <laughs> I read uh, this for you. This uh, you was, did. Yes, uh, just thank for you, you so much. Uh, well, yeah, I think that's too easy. I mean, you know, attacking millennials and whatever, whoever comes after them. He is after, but yes, go on. <laughs> you know, uh, as as weak or flaky is one thing. But, I, I, you know, we've always had sensitive people. I, I know I've been around long enough to know that we have had sensitive people uh, throughout the ages. I think it's just a human condition. Uh, but... Yeah, uh, maybe there's something in it. More importantly is the social media aspect of it. You know, in the past, uh, an athlete might get criticism from professional critics, but the, the sports desk of a newspaper, and maybe somebody who writes a letter to the editor. The, the general fan base doesn't get, except from cheering in the stands, they don't get to comment <laughs> well, on, on letters, which take forever. But, yeah. But today, you know, uh, on both ends... The sports person is in direct communication with his fan base or his or her fan base. And therefore, it's so much more. It's an avalanche. If you're really popular, I can't imagine the pressure as it might be for any other kind of celebrity. You're in the public eye and, you know, every failure. I mean, this man was obviously very ambitious. He's not... Uh, lived up to his own aspirations and uh, he might have fans, but there were people who were sceptical who are now looking at him and saying, ah, I told you so, you know, mm. you shouldn't have done this. And so that must hurt and that hurts directly. Keep those thoughts coming. Uh, that number to call, double seven double three two nine hundred. 2900 If you'd like to send a voice note or a WhatsApp, it's 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.